Connecting our community. Choose life. Choose high. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Levi Upson, and our topic is prisoners of our thoughts, although whether we stick to that topic or not is always debatable, as we seem to go off at a tangent as we work on each other's thoughts. But there are thoughts. Well, why should we be prisoners of our thoughts if we can stop being prisoners and just let our thoughts take us where they need to go? <laughs> You're absolutely right there. Rabbi Upson is actually my own teacher, and he keeps he helps my thoughts from spinning out of control, which he's just done. If my voice is sounding a bit funny, I'm sorry. It is a, a horse, and I'm trying my best to to actually get Sounds it Sounds perfect. Does it sound perfect? I knew you would actually say that. The importance of our thoughts. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become character. What's your character? It becomes your destiny. What is your opinion on that? How can you argue? We are our character. We are who we develop into being. And that only happens when we adopt good habits, when we think positively, when we focus our energy in the correct way, then we become that person. It's without a question, the fundamental of faith, the fundamental of human story. So it is our choice. You know, Viktor Frankl says between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our happiness. In two words, I would call it free choice. It is free choice. 100%. Um, Covey wrote his whole Seven Habits book based on that statement. Um, of course, the, unfortunately, for some of us, that space is larger. For some of us, that space is smaller. And the goal is that we exercise that space until the space becomes larger. That means some of us, if we have addictions, if we have extreme weaknesses, vulnerabilities, we're too impulsive, the space is narrow. And the goal is to believe that the space does exist, but I have to constantly work on expanding that space, whatever it's a 10-second rule before I blow my you know, fuse um, to be able to absolutely be in control of my space and my reaction. And to be very aware of it. Because I think often we think that our thoughts actually define us and have control over us. But it is the other way around. as you. So let said. me ask you, when you say thoughts, what kind mm-hmm. of thoughts are you referring to? Well, I'm thinking of thoughts. For instance, there are so many different thoughts that we can get stuck in. They're addictive thoughts. They're the obsessive compulsive thoughts, the addictive thoughts like um, I'm useless, I'm, the world's bad, I'm a victim, or you know, everything in the world is, is lousy. And, and feel sorry for myself. Yeah, in other words, you're a total victim to whatever circumstances might be outside of yourself. And then, of course, there's also those addictive other uh, OCD kind of thoughts that are of fear, often around anxiety and fear, and the thoughts of uh, keeping safe, keeping clean, keeping away from germs. Those, those thoughts which can take over your mind very rapidly. Where do you think those thoughts come from? They come from outside. 
But I think all our thoughts actually originate from outside. But they come in and it's the way we interpret them. So it's again back to to the way we actually look at the world and how we interpret our thoughts. Our thoughts do not interpret ourselves. And sometimes they pop up very suddenly from nowhere. You can be cooking and you can suddenly think, well, mind you, I'm not a great cook, but let's let's think. In hypothesis. Okay. Yeah, in hypothesis. We can be cooking and suddenly a thought will pop into your head. You know what? Uh, I feel like going for a swim. It comes from nowhere, but it suddenly comes in as a thought from outside. So uh, can I counter that and mm-hmm. develop that? Have you ever studied the book of the Tanya? No. You'd Tell love us it. about Natanya. The Tanya. Tanya. The, the Tanya. Okay. Case. Sorry. Natanya is a place in Israel. <laughs> yeah. And a name. Uh, <laughs> so this is name. Tanya. And it's one of the fundamental Kabbalistic works, Hasidic work, an incredible book. It's translated into English. You can find it on the internet. And one of the arguments that he offers is that a person has mind and heart. In the mind is the godly soul, the soul that is objective and true and mature. And in the heart is the animal, the animal soul, which is impulsive and selfish and self-sustaining. And at any moment, we are battling between our mind and our heart. Our mind is telling us to be our bigger selves. Our heart is making us the primitive caveman self. So I would have to argue with you and say not necessarily is the thought coming from the outside. It's coming from inside. There's a part within us, what we call the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, that is trying to undermine us at any given moment by telling us how low we are, by making us feel unworthy of love and unworthy of God's love. And worthless. And worthless. And then there's the part in our mind that sits there saying, you could do it. You're, you're incredible. God put you in this world for a reason. You're indispensable. And at any moment of the day, both of those th- thoughts can be taking over our mind. So our mind is this objective computer. And it is getting thoughts from the godly soul, and it's getting thoughts from the animal soul. And then, and that's that space. That space is in the mind to sit there saying, which thought will I allow to occupy my mind? How much time and space will I give to that negative negativity? And perhaps how much power I will give to it, because it is power if you allow the, uh, it to take over, the negativity to take over your mind. 100%. It's power. And it's also the awareness that, that we shouldn't be upset with ourselves for having those thoughts. Those thoughts are going to come. That is the job of the animal within us to undermine us. Otherwise, we don't have free choice. But it is our free choice to not listen. So when that voice of pessimism is coming to you, when that voice of negativity, feeling sorry for yourself, um, being super hypercritical of your spouse, um, being very judgmental of your friends, instead of beating yourself up for that thought and then you just think about the thought more, but you just say, I know that those thoughts will come because that's the way it's, I'm trying to – I'm being undermined by my very self. However, I have the choice and the capacity to push those thoughts away. 
with two hands and to be able to say, no, I want to fill my objective mind, my computer, with positivity. And I will then allow the other voice, the higher voice, the mature voice, to be able to take over. And do you think by doing that, that you have to actually train yourself to do it, almost perhaps in meditation or, or visualization? How do you train your mind to actually recognize when this, the negativity is actually becoming So here's a rule of thumb. So there's obviously the meditation. There's so many things. But I would say that there's a rule of thumb. That thought that's about to come into you, is it going to make you happier? Is it going to make you a better person? Is it going to make you a kinder person? Allow it in. Is it going to make you feel sorry for yourself? Is it going to make you give up on humanity? Is it going to make you feel just despondent? Then let it go. That means there is no random thought coming to your mind. If there's a thought, then it's because the animal within you is trying to undermine you. It's trying to crush your self-esteem, trying to crush your self-worth, trying to crush your optimism. I mean, the the greatest tool of evil is depression. Mm. And I'm not saying depression in clinical depression. I'm saying depression as in sadness. If I get you sad, if I get you despondent, you won't add any value to the world. You're just going to become a sapping, depleting energy in this universe. While I agree with what you say there, having worked for a long time in at hospice and, and with people who have suffered great loss or are suffering illness or whatever, I also do believe that it's not being a prisoner to our thoughts, but it's actually allowing ourselves certain feelings and thoughts that we can't take away from that. We have to allow people to have those feelings of sadness, of 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 uh, the li- of life being hard and lonely. A hundred percent. However, we have to control it. In other words, Tanya argues that set up times for that. If it's showing up to you in the middle of a random day while you're cooking. Yeah. <laughs> then chances are it's not the right time. If you're in the middle of davening, you're praying to God, and suddenly you're having thoughts about all the stupid things you've done or the, the tragedies of your life, and you're trying to focus and feel spiritual, it's not the time. So if these thoughts really have to be processed, set up a time. Go to therapy. Or set up a time to talk to your best friend. Or set up a time to think your own thoughts. The problem is not thinking these thoughts. On the contrary, like you said, they have to be worked through. The problem is that they just hijack us at times that can totally undermine us. If you're alone and on a holiday at 2 in the afternoon and you're having these thoughts, it's not going to destroy your life. But if you're in the middle of a job, you're in the middle of engaging with your spouse, you're in the middle of parenting, and suddenly you sit to saying, oh my gosh, I was such an idiot for what I did 20 years ago. Really? Do you think that thought is, is, is placed in the right time? It's totally inappropriate. Mm. No, that's absolutely true. But uh, you know what? There's a, that Greek philosopher um, uh, apologized to all our Greek listeners. I think his name was Herculitis at uh, Heraculus. Hercules. No, it wasn't Hercules. <laughs> Heraclitus, I think it was. And he said, you can never walk through the same river twice. And the English translation would be, the river you set your foot in just now is gone. Those waters have given way to new water. This is an illustration of how our lives are ever-changing. It has its own ebb and flow. He also said, the sun is new each day. 
So in other words, each day gives us a choice to actually for new opportunities, new experiences to allow new thoughts to come in. Okay. Meaning? So what, where, where would you take that thought? I, I would just uh, think to myself that we often think that we are stuck in these thoughts. But as he mentions here, it's not. It is like the river flowing, that it's not the same river that you set in. Sometimes, but I would argue that some of us, we, we fall into the same patterns of, of thoughts over and over and over. Is that and, not a prisoner then of yes, our thoughts? Yes, so that is a prisoner. And, I'm, and, and either it means, like you said, finding that time to go through that thought and just solving our feelings. Or it's just pushing it away and telling it once and for all, this thought will never come. And when the second it comes, I push it away. It's not good for me. So, for example, if you're naturally a pessimistic person, I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but that's who you are. You can't sit there working through every thought of pessimism that comes in. It's, it's never going to work. You just have to tell yourself, I have a prone, I am prone to negative energy. I am prone to depleting pessimism. The second I feel that urge to be pessimistic, I'll push it away. So, for example, now the, this is the whole revolution in Zimbabwe. So some people are going to sit there saying it's amazing, right? It is. But then you'll always have that person at the conversation saying, yeah, but what about the day after? True. Who knows? But why did you have to say that now? First of all, you're not in Zimbabwe. So you, like, it, it has nothing to do with you. But more importantly, you don't know about the future. And you're not here to sit there depleting our energy. Today we're happy that a 37-year-old, a 37-year-old tyrannical regime is being taken down. How it will play out? Democracy is never a simple process. It's obviously going to be complex. But there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with right away dampening the energy. It's like standing by a wedding and everyone sitting there smiling and saying, ah, and you're saying, wait for the first fight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and a baby's born, you're like, wait till they're a teenager. Like, yeah, like th that will happen. We'll cry then. But like, why now? Uh -huh. Absolutely. We've got Gugu sitting in with us. She's shadowing uh, the FM at the moment, and she's having a good laugh at what you've just had to I say. I hope she's not laughing at me. Are you laughing at him? <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> you know, um, I was just thinking about, well, as you said that, a friend of ours said that um, he goes to a wedding and he also is very skeptical about them nowadays. And he sits and he looks at the bride and the groom and he thinks, I'm not giving you a present today. I'll give it to you at your first anniversary. <laughs> yeah. Because he says he cannot believe how many end within this first year. Unfortunately, he, there's a lot of truth to it. There is a lot of truth, but we won't allow that thought into our minds. I yeah, at, at that moment when you're standing and you're seeing two people you know, who are genuinely in love and trying to build a life together, celebrate. Yeah, I agree. I think it's that's that's what it is. It is moment by moment, really. Because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No. And we do not know how even the day or the next moment is going to play If you out. told me two weeks ago, that's, uh, if I told you that Zimbabwe's dictator would go down without an ounce of blood, what would you think? Mm. Would you believe it's possible that a 37-year-old reign goes down just like – it was like – what did CNN call it? The strangest coup slash non-coup ever. Mm. Was it a coup? Was it not a coup? What was that? But hey, he's gone. He resigned. What? Mm. Oh, it's going to be a war and this and that. We don't know anything. 
And I think it's exactly the same as uh, before our transition in South Africa. Uh, there was such Ooh. fear. Yes, oh, you say. There was such fear. But the Rebbe, uh, the, the, I'm just telling you, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was the head of the Lubavitcher movement, which is part of Rabbi Afton's movement, um, he said all would be good in South Africa. And I think that everyone was holding on to that. Well, certainly those of us who believe very deeply in the Rebbe and, and his prophecies. And, um, and you know, it, it gave us a, a moment to actually pause to think, well, you know, we do not know how the world's going to pan out, how, what's happening and going to happen. So I always talk about Sorry, let me cut in. Uh, apologies. Um, I, I, think about it. The 60s, South Africans emigrated out of the country for one reason. Why did they emigrate? Because of the trials. The 70s, they started emigrating because of fear and economy. 80s, it was like, oh my gosh, apartheid's going to fall down. Let's emigrate now. The 90s, they started emigrating because of the transition to democracy. The 2000s, they emigrated because of crime. And now people are emigrating because of corruption. So every it's... It's like this perpetual, oh my gosh, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. No, but one issue solved and another issue comes up. But that's life. But everyone's always paranoid. No, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. No, that issue's gone. It's like, just relax. Oh my gosh, it's corruption. Okay, okay, it's fine. We've been through worse. We'll get through it. Boo, just relax. Uh, we've now got a, a, a YouTube by Rabbi Twersky, and uh, we'll listen to that for a moment. I believe that we can look upon this as a wake-up call because I think that um, in the last uh, 40 years, our lives have undergone a very significant change. Technology has made life comfortable and pleasurable, right? And it has taken many hardships out of life. I mean, when I was a kid, right, in the 1930s, life was not easy, right? But now life has become in so many ways so easy that we are we don't have the means for dealing with with hardship right so uh, what uh, I would like people to know is look we have the reality uh, but hardship is not fatal right why is it a wake-up call because I think we have to start thinking in terms of who am I uh, what is my the purpose of my life? Right? What do I hope to achieve in my eighty or ninety years on, on this earth? Right? Uh, if uh, you know, I, I sometimes say, I've attended many people in the last days of life. Never have I heard anybody say, my only regret is that I haven't spent more time in the office. Right? It doesn't happen, right? Because what happens is that when people look at their life retrospectively, they realize that they left out many of their values of a life. Well, why don't we become wiser right, when we're in a time where we can do something about it instead of when we're, when we're terminal? Right? So I think that the uh, fact that we have lived so much of a commercial life, industrialized, uh, and I'm not going to pitch religion because... Unfortunately, there's been a lot of drawbacks in organized religion, and people have lost faith in organized religion. But I wrote a book about spirituality where I said spirituality can stand independent of religion. Right? Spirituality means being the best human being that you can. Right? Meaning, 
thinking about uh, a purpose in life, because animals can't do that. Only human beings can do it. So you think about how you can improve yourself and become a better person. Animals don't seek to improve themselves. Trying to help others, strangers, animals don't do that. Right? Being able to delay gratification. Being able to make moral decisions, what's right and what's wrong. Right? Animals can't do that. Animals are driven by their body. If, if the animal wants something, it has to go get it. And it can't think whether it's right or wrong. Right? So I pointed out there are so many things that are unique about the human being. And I take all of those 12 or 13 or 14 uniquenesses, put them together, and I says, this is the human spirit. And that is what makes us different than animals. Now, if you implement all of these things, then you are implementing the spirit and you are being spiritual. Right? And one can be spiritual and have a feeling of self-worth of being a spiritual being right? without even having a belief in God or being in any religion. Frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and I have with me today Rabbi Levi Upton, and our topic is Prisoners of Our Thoughts, but we have got a, a, a way for a time about actual fear, which is, of course, a thought, and you were talking about um, how fearful we had become in the different uh, periods of our lives in South Africa. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I find South Africans – I love South Africa, um, genuinely. I find them to be the, one of the kindest people on the planet. I find them to be generous and, and a lot of unity. But I also find them to be very afraid, very fearful. Are you and, talking about all sectors? Of okay, so I, I'm not going to sit there claiming I'm a philosopher, a philosopher of 50 million people, but the people I surround myself with and the people I spend a lot with, a lot of people always waiting for the next shoe to drop, okay. thinking that Armageddon is coming, um, thinking that this country is never going to hit stability, thinking that we're getting shortchanged from other communities on the world. And as a American, um, as someone who spent time in Israel, America, Europe, I'm not exactly sure why South Africans are like this. This is a gifted, blessed country. The people over here are incredible. The climate is incredible. The the community is incredible. The lifestyle is incredible. Why are people always sitting on the fence waiting for the next shoe to drop? Do you believe it's only in South Africa that this happens? Because South Africa is unique in, in the crazy amount of immigration that it gets. How mm. many people are just convinced that the country won't get it right, even though it's proven time and time again it transitioned into democracy. Crime is still there, but nothing compared to 15 years ago. Um, even the election of 2016 showed that democracy is alive. The judicial system is still independent. There's so many reasons to look and sit there saying, wow, we're blessed. But on average, when I talk to people about it, they think I'm smoking <laughs> and not cigarettes. <laughs> like, like, what is wrong? Why, why this perpetual negativity? Why this convincing of ourselves that everything's going down? Why? That is an ultimate prison of thought. And perhaps what you are actually highlighting here is our ability to break free 
of those thoughts that you can stop and say, hang on a moment, this is replaying in my mind again and again and again. And always for a different reason. Yes, and let me bring in some reality here and really look at very carefully what has happened over the last few years or whatever and what is the truth. Because I think truth is so subjective and that's where the prisoner of our thoughts comes so let in. So me, let me tell you, I, I want to met a Jew um, who lives in one of the, uh, the settlements in Israel um, beyond the Green Line. Um, an incredible Jew. Stayed in my house and we spent time. And I asked him, aren't you afraid? I mean, those roads, like how many terror attacks have happened, shootings, rock throwings. I said, aren't you afraid? He says, you're only as afraid as you tell yourself to be. In other words, you're as safe as you feel, and you're as afraid as you feel. And I remember when I got married in South Africa, some of my friends didn't show up to my wedding because either they or their wives didn't allow them to come because it's terrible. Now, I feel very safe in this country. I really do. So objectively, or so-called objectively, people will say, no, it's not safe. But what is safety? I grew up in New York. I mean, I was getting glass bottles thrown at me all the time. I had people screaming Heil Hitler or God knows what else in New York. That never happened to me. I've been in the South Africa for over seven years. I found people to be smiling and, and kind and, and welcoming, people from different races and different backgrounds. And it's just incredible. I find this truly to be a rainbow nation. Is there 5% of rotten apples? Yeah. So does every society. Um, are there real issues in this country? Yes. But it's a fledging young democracy, and I think it's beautiful. But that's only if you allow yourself to think that way. And you have to even want to think that way. The problem is I find people that don't want to. They want to convince themselves that they were shortchanged. You know, what you say is so true because I know for myself that I have had to hit the soil of Africa a few times with guns at my head. And I could have uh, certainly stuck in that negativity and thought, get out of here. We did have an opportunity to leave the country. However, um, I think we worked through it as a family and and came to the realization that this this was an event that happened. Now, what were we going to do with the event? And as I said, it happened twice to me. And each time I had to work through, and each of us worked through it who were involved, worked through it differently. And you could actually see whether some of the thoughts stuck in in people's heads, the anger, the, 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 the feeling of, of uh, fear. Or, or where they began, you also began to realize when they were letting those feelings go. And I myself became aware, very aware of my own thoughts. I would be in my car and driving and I would suddenly have a, a sense of fear. Penny. And I would have to stop and say, well, are you safe right now? And I would have to say, yes, you are. Now get on with your driving. You know, and that's the, and then again, okay, that, those are the two voices. Now, one more point. You know, we're talking over here on the Jewish radio station. From all the countries of the world, Jewish communities, this country, when it comes to anti-Semitism, is the least, if not one of the least. It really is. We are the safest. Hundred percent. You practice our religion. Yes. Are there a few people that want our cars? Yes, but there's nobody that wants to kill you because you're Jewish. Very few. 
You go to Europe. I mean, my friends in France, they won't walk around with a keep on their head. London. New York. Um, just look about, you know, like, look at the world. Even Australia. And you're like, what, what do you think you're going to find? Once you go beyond these borders, I find this continent to be so blessed. And specifically to us as Jews, we've suffered a lot from the other continents. I think Africa has been very good to us. Mm-hmm. It really has. So what are we complaining about? Why are we feeling sorry for so Why do we think that we're going to go back to our good European friends and, then, and, and they're going to treat us any better than they have over the past 2,000 years? <laughs> so breaking free of old patterns can actually be frightening. It really can be frightening because um, – it's something that has gone into our mind and that feels safe there. You know, we put our thought into our mind and it stays. Absolutely. And to break loose from that is, is quite hard. And Mahatma Gandhi actually said something which, which I enjoy. He said, happiness is when you think what you, what you say and what you do are in harmony. Explain. So, in other words, what you think what you say are in harmony. So if you're actually are saying that I'm happy and inside you're feeling happy, that's, that's harmonious. If you're really feeling very sad and you still say I'm happy, well, you're not really in harmony. You have to work on that thought to bring it into alignment with how we're feeling and how we think. So what's interesting is the Talmud says the exact same thing. It's, it, it, it uses the words piv veliboy shavin, that your heart and your mouth should be equal, mm. that you shouldn't be um, false. So 100%, yes, we have to embrace our feelings. Um, but also we have to ask ourselves, what's, what percentage of feelings do we have? Like today we talk a lot about embracing your feelings, and we spoke about that earlier. But when 80% of your feelings are negative, is that what you're supposed to be doing all day, just embracing negative feelings? Are you supposed to tell yourself, what in the world is going on that I'm always being negative? So as much as we have to embrace our feelings, we also have to ask ourselves, what, what's going on? Why am I always convincing myself it's negative? I remember sitting at a table and trying to tell people a positive twist on the South African climate. And this guy starts screaming at me and he says, Rabbi, stop with your nonsense. You're trying to brainwash yourself. And I'm like, maybe you're trying to brainwash yourself. <laughs> maybe you love misery. Why is it not? You know, it, it, we, I think it's maybe the European influence. In Europe, it's very cool to be serious. Right? It's very cool. It's not whatever smiles or ooh, you ooh, no. Like, oh, serious. So now, <laughs> say if you're smiley, lucky. So either you're, you're taking some... Uh, Drug, um, or you're or smoking some yeah, pot. <laughs> yeah, you, you're you just proposed to something, but like, what's going on? Like, I remember one time, <laughs> so like, it was before I was engaged, and nobody really knew I was dating, and I was uh, in shul in the synagogue, and I was being very intense emotionally. So someone walks over to my father and says, I don't know what's going on with your son. Either he's about to get engaged or he's, someone just broke his heart. But, uh. <laughs> like, why are you feeling emotion, right? Like, if you're feeling happy, there's something unnatural. But seriousness, oh, so you walk in, right? Shake somebody's hand, nod, flat lips. Come on! <laughs> And, you know, as you're saying that, Gugu's also laughing here. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking that one of the ways we can actually change our thoughts, our negative thoughts, are by smiling. 100%. Because if you're smiling, you're, you are 
actually sending a message through to your brain, well, actually, it's okay. Yeah. And if you're laughing, it's the same. And on yourself as well. That means you can laugh at yourself and you sit there you're like, oh, gosh, Levy, what are you like? <laughs> like, what, what is going on with you, man? Like, like, just be able to be loose. I think we're so uptight. Mm-hmm. We are. We're like, like with a string about yeah. to rip at any moment. We're pulled. It's pulled to, elastic. Oof. And you'd think our lives are terrible, but like you just played that uh, audio. We're living in a great time, but the only issue is we don't have resilience. But we live in great times, but we're all walking around, like just waiting to explode, mm-hmm. waiting to be hurt, waiting. Oh my gosh, don't you dare say something that offends me because, oh, like relax, just take it easy. <sighs> yeah. Breathe in. Whoa. <laughs> Life's not that bad. You had a meal this morning. You can have a meal tonight. You have a roof on your head. 90% of civilization in the past could not say that about themselves, right? So true. Okay, so we'll You know, you tell the story about your Russian grandparents. Just tell us that story again. It's always such a fascinating Which story. Which one? Because, like, so many you of know, the stories. The one of your, was it your great grandmother who actually lay on the, the ice? Yes, yeah, so, so, so my grandmother, my grandmother, my father's mother, her father died in Russia. In Russia. And in the starvation that of Leningrad, when basically the Nazis created a siege around Leningrad, there's only one bridge to get in, and they didn't allow food, so people were dying from starvation. And her father died, and he wanted to, she, my grandmother wanted to bury him in a Jewish burial spot. The problem was that there, there were so many people dying that there were very few spots left, and she wanted them to get a Jewish burial. The other problem was that it was freezing cold, and it was ice, so you couldn't dig a grave so she decided to sleep in the graveyard for f- until it became warm enough she slept on the spot saving for her father until she can the, the ice thawed and she can actually dig a grave but look at one second 16 year old woman 16 year old girl she lost all her teeth and un- unfortunately, she died relatively young in her 60s from cancer, and she was never fully healthy. After that? Mm, of course. I mean, gosh, and, you know, her brothers died, and her father, her mother died, and it's just a nightmare. And she had to take care of two sisters, and, and she ended up getting married and having 15 children. Good heavens. 15 children. And the, the, the story goes that after six children, the doctor said that she can't have any more children. Um, she was devastated. Uh, she wanted to rebuild the entire community that she lost, and she felt six was too little. So she actually came to Lubavitcher Rebbe, and she says, I want to have more children. The Rebbe blessed her and said, you'll have more than you already have. Mm. And she had nine more. My father's number eight, so he's actually one of those miracle children. Uh, Fifteen children, after going through such hell, I mean, literally sleeping in a frozen graveyard in Russia to give your father a burial. That's just two generations back. So again, so like when we sit there feeling sorry for ourselves, that's why I always say, like, compared to who? And that is a compared thought. Compared to who? That is a thought so beyond. Um, it's a it's a transcendent thought that she had there. You know, she's transcended her own fear that she was going through, whether she was going to live or not, and she alone went to go and lie on that spot. I mean, that is pure transcendence. It really is, an, and, a, and a belief that she would manage it and she would give her father a proper burial. Mm. 
And unfortunately, like my family is saturated with these stories from my father's side, my mother's side, um, my my wife's family. It's just like saturated. And like, I'm going to say something which is a bit controversial. I think South Africa has been very blessed to relatively have a peaceful, as as much as people think it's difficult over here, I think it's one, one of the most stable countries, specifically for the Jewish community in the past hundred years. The Holocaust didn't come over here. Um, most people can trace themselves back generations. And I think people don't have that perspective of where we come from. Mm-hmm. Like they don't realize, like when you grow up in the rest of the world and you see just one generation back, two generations back, how bad it was. Do you believe that intergenerationally that thoughts can affect you? Of course. Do you, do you feel that some of the thoughts from your family's past have come through? I, uh, I, negative and positive. Yes, um, whether it's anxiety. I mean, like just try to imagine the amount of anxiety my grandparents lived with. Um, that set of grandparents, the other set of grandparents that lived in Russia for 20 years after the Holocaust, after my grandfather lost his siblings, his parents in the pit by the Nazis, he had to fight the communists for 20 years. Mm. Um, and his own do- kid died from starvation. My uncle, um, his burial's unknown, a young little baby. No one knows where he is. So that amount of pain and thought, yes. But on the other hand, the resilience, I would love to believe I have some of it, um, the strength I mean, that other grandfather, talking about one grandfather had 15 kids. This other grandfather had 14 kids. Good heavens. Okay. And all of them born in Russia Mm. without a penny to his name. Mm. Without a penny to his name. And that's after losing his oldest son. So he had 13 plus this baby. After losing his oldest son to starvation, he didn't give up on the world, even though he had every reason to. His siblings were dead. His parents were dead. His own baby died. He goes on and has 12 more kids. My mother's number... 12 out of 13. <laughs> so, Your so, parents are blessed, aren't they? 100%. So I'm not going to talk about how many first cousins I have. I have, <laughs> you know, more than your town. Um, <laughs> but what does that tell you? It, it's like, and that's what I, I'm like, yes, yeah, sometimes I quetch and I feel sorry for myself, but we are so blessed. So blessed. And the only reason we are feeling negative is because we are prisoners of thoughts. Where instead of comparing ourselves to the past where we come from, we're comparing ourselves to a utopia that never was. Do you know that I remember my father saying to me, and and my father certainly also went through the Second World War, I've told you, as a squadron leader in the Royal Air Force in Britain. And he was a fighter pilot, so he bombed many cities and bridges and what have you over Germany. And... um, He once said to me he didn't want to discuss it. He didn't want his uh, demons to become mine. And and yet I do believe that somehow because they weren't spoken about, they almost did become more. The demons got a bit fatter. Yeah, the the demons were actually fed a bit more. So it's often worthwhile bringing those those. Thoughts that are prisoners in our minds that we are holding on to, the, the pain, the loss, all of those feelings that my father must have felt, actually bringing it into the light so that it can be healed. So I'll have to – I agree with you, but I'll have to say some of these people went through too much that I don't think there's any healing mm-hmm. in this world from that. That means if my grandfather had to embrace the pain of, of losing his entire family – um, of losing a child, of fighting 20 years against the communists, of barely making a living, of trying to keep the Sabbath and every week losing his job because he, he just wants to support his family without breaking the Sabbath. If he had to embrace those feelings, I, I don't think he would be able to go on. 
Mm. I mean, I think we're in a gifted time that we can embrace our feelings because compared to what people went through in the time of the Holocaust, our tragedies in proportion are much less. And I'm not minimizing the tragedies. People go through tough times. But again, compared to what? And yet I think we have to be, we have to remember the past. You know, I've heard a lot lately of people saying, for goodness sake, I'm sick of hearing about apartheid. Absolutely not. I'm sick of hearing about this, a holocaust and what have you. Absolutely not. We have to embrace our past. We have to realize that it is who we have become and who we are. And also so that the mistakes of the past never happen again. And unfortunately they do because the human being, just think about the political guys type, like all the things that after World War II people thought would never happen now in, in, in the Western politics is happening again, mm-hmm. whether it's hate of immigrants, whether it's intolerance, whether it's extreme liberalism, whatever it is. Yeah, the human being ne- never figures things out unless they learn the lessons of the past. But if you think that you can be the first generation and you'll figure it out, no. You'll make all the mistakes of previous generations. But if you're able to look back and say, for example, how did a country as sophisticated as Germany end up killing millions? How did a country as artsy as Russia end up killing millions? How did China, with just one stupid idea of communism, kill 70 million people of their own? How did Japan, with such a beautiful culture, rape millions of of girls and kill endless people and cause absolute havoc in World War II, which, by the way, the whole Japanese part of World War II is mind-boggling. The only difference is Germany at least said sorry, and, and Japan may believe this have never happened. How did Turkey, with all its beautiful culture, kill one and a half million Armenians? What how, about Rwanda? Rwanda, etc. How in this country, the Rainbow Nation, did apartheid happen? Until you don't ask these tough questions, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, and you cannot actually just forget it. It, it, um, it has to be taught in our schools, and it has to actually not make it fearful for our, the next generations and our children or what have you, but they have to accept that this is, is part of who they come from. And to realize one thing, the Holocaust started with words. Every revolution started with words. So when we sit there saying, oh, free speech, yeah, yeah free speech is cool. But what are you using your free speech? When Hitler got up and started uh, wrote my Kampf, he was also using free speech. But out of that free speech, 15 years later, how many p- millions of people were killed? Karl Marx who had free speech to write communism. How many people? Do you know um, over 100 million people have died in the last century of, of, of this crazy idea of communism? So, yes, free speech is important. But without the responsibility that comes with it, it could be one of the single biggest dangers of humanity. So, again, if you don't learn from the past, you do free speech, great. Until we, we all burn ourselves up. Radio that's better than the rest. This is 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guest today is Rabbi Levi Atson. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit uh, hoarse. Um, but it's so lovely having you here. And we have gone kind of off the topic. No, we but didn't. No. You always think that's off the topic. This is the topic. <laughs> it is the topic. You're right. You're quite right. But you know what? There was actually, there's such a lovely story. I had to share it with you. Um, how much time do we have left, by the way? I haven't even looked at it. But um, there's a, you you know that, um, that, that uh, film, um, it's a video, uh, um, what the dot are we? Well, what's it called? Um, 
I know that you've watched it. What the bleep? What the bleep, yeah. Yeah, What the bleep. Okay, well, almost right. (laughs) What the bleep. Um, Anyway, there was, if anyone is interested, I really do suggest that you you try and look at this, get that uh, video. But in it, um, there's a YouTube by this Dr. Masaru Emoto. Do you remember? He's a water researcher from Japan. Yes, and he shows that when you talk to water. Yes, and he did a water experiment, which he froze the water. He subjected it to all different vibrations of music, of voices, of, of, of good things like gratitude, honesty, love. He, he also brought children's energy into it and let children play around the, and, and, and he watched what was happening. And then he brought in things like ugly things like anger, Hitler, demons. Um, and, and he watched how the water actually began to change the, the ice, the crystals in the ice. And it was amazing results. And he says that up to 60% of our body is water. So if thoughts can do that to water, imagine what thoughts do to us. It shows us that our thoughts create our lives. And therefore, we need to bless the water and bless the source. And I asked Shira today, what is the the blessing for water? And she said it actually is probably the one for, for rain. You might agree. It's in the Amida where it says, uh, who makes the wind blow and the rain descend. Would that be the one for water? When you drink water? Well, no, she just says water in general. Yes. Yeah. But then obviously when we, we, we think about it, the blessing you say when you take a cup of water is, Blessed are you, our God, King of the Universe. Shakol, Shakol Niyah, Bidvaro. That yeah. everything happens in his word. But you could also translate as everything happens in the word. Everything happens in the communication. Everything happens in the perspective. In, in, and, and the truth is, yeah, we, we create our reality. There's no question. And so much of medicine has shown. We create our health. Obviously, you know, there's freak accidents, etc. But overstress kills us. Mm. Our addiction to food is is destroying us, etc. We can be in control of so much if we choose to have the right perspectives. So if we have a world of smiley faces, you would have a lot less killers, right? You can't. You, there's very few people, unless they're a psychopath, who smile and then kill somebody, who smile and then, you know, talk racism and talk hatred and talk anti-Semitism. So go back to, um, I was going to say Rabbi Imata, but it's Dr. Imata. <laughs> it's <a> rabbi. <laughs> um, would you say that with this experiment of this, uh, the ice and the water, if you come in, it's almost like being in a room of toxic people. I feel it in a second. Do you, I do too. I walk into a room and when there's, there's some Human beings, God bless them, that their energy is so intensely negative. They sap you almost, that, don't they? Not almost. They do. Mm-hmm. Like I actually walk out feeling less of a human being after mm-hmm. 10 minutes in their presence. I hope I'm not that to others. Um, I'm no, sure at certain moments, <laughs> I might be certain <laughs> moments when I'm feeling sap that can happen. But yeah, that's that, that's a, it's a tremendously painful. And that's once again where you have to... Uh, realize your thoughts and almost you wish that you had a switch uh, I've sometimes been in a room full of people where I've picked up a very bad energy and I've wished that I had a, a switch that I could turn off so that I could turn off their energy and just keep to my own I wish. wouldn't that be wonderful yeah 
I think also. <laughs> if you find that, if you if you patent that, please, I'll be the first one to buy the product. Okay. You know, I think also having a purpose in life also changes our thoughts. What do you think about that? Of course. Of course. Negativity comes from an empty mind. You know, in general, I grew up in in Brooklyn, so they, they're always politicians, people who cause politics. I remember one guy saying, you know, if you want to solve all the politics, give all these people jobs and you'll solve all the politics. Just give them jobs. They have too much time to sit there schmoozing and yenting and, and, and creating conspiracies. Like, how do you have time to sit there chasing UFOs? Go get a job. <laughs> and I'm most of it, I also do find that people with a purpose and meaning – actually are much, much happier people. They, they, they do seem to have more... What's the res- chicken and what's the egg? Yeah, well, they do seem to have more resilience about them. Resilience in perhaps facing the hardships of life. Resilience of, um, of actually just getting through each day often, even as they age, you know, and their own body might slow down or whatever. If they've still got a purpose and a meaning in their lives, a purpose greater than themselves, reaching out to something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more meaning we have, the better our lives are. And by far, we have so much more happiness. Cut it. I'm going to actually wrap up now. We've all sort of giving hand signals to each other because this is a pre-record. <laughs> but it's been so lovely being with you. I'd like to just end with a, a quote from uh, uh, Viktor Frankl. And it says, everything can be taken a ma- from a man but the last of the human freedoms. To change his attitude in any given set of circumstances, to cho- choose his own way. And I'll just add three words, four words, with the help of God. Very definitely, with the help of God. And thank you so much, Rabbi Afsan, for being here. I've really enjoyed being with you. We will be together in the new year, the 2018. Please, God. God. And health. And in health, yeah, and and happiness and good things. Thoughts. You said the world's better anyway. I know, but it could always get better. <laughs> is, is, there's an expression in Yiddish, as good is good, is better and is better. If good is good, is better, not better. Okay. <laughs> good, good. Thank you for sitting in with us. And thank you so much, Fussy, for pre-recording this.